we had our second week of Vision Month uh, last Sunday and we're here to look at some questions that came out of that. But Raj, can you uh, start off by telling us what we looked at yesterday? Sure, Kelly. And let me just say, great to have you doing the extras um, with me on this occasion, Kelly. Um, yes, yeah, so week two of our Vision Update Month. Um, and just worth saying, yes, we have had two Vision Months this, this year because of COVID and big change and lots of things. Normally we wouldn't have two in a month, uh, sorry, two in a year. But this time we are... And, and we are just so going, focusing on each of the different M's. So this week was membership. And the place we came to was John chapter 15. Um, um, not all of John 15, but, but really 1 to 17 in two bits. And Jesus just has this um, memorable image of the vine and the branches. And for people in you know the places I was preaching, early morning church, morning church, and night church in me, I cut a branch off. A tree from outside my place on Friday afternoon. It was late Friday afternoon. I put it on the floor and, of course, it just withers. It loses connection with the vine. And this is exactly the image that Jesus is using. Um, uh, the, there's an imperative, remain in me or abide in me. Uh, and, and then that is used. There's this transition point. It's a beautiful transition point, verse 9, which traces um, how love has progressed from the Father to Jesus to us and now should progress as we are members of the vine from us to one another. And so it really culminates in, this is my command, verse 17, love each other. Um, so really, in many ways, that, that's a, a foundation for membership. Other things as well, but certainly membership, um, that's what we looked at on Sunday. Awesome. Thanks, Raj. So we've got a bunch of questions. Uh, so we might start off with some that came particularly dealing with some of the questions out of the passage. Um, so, first question was where does it mention in John 15 about fruit that remains? Uh, and a following question to that was if you have to follow commands to remain in Jesus, does it mean that salvation is by faith, by faith alone that that's not valid? Yeah, thank you. There's, so, two questions there. They're both great questions. Um, I think the first one is relatively straightforward. So, fruit that remains is in John chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Um, and so that's the fruit Jesus wants. He doesn't want it to be short-term, um, or the impact of love being short-term in this case, but he wants that to be a long-lasting uh, thing that that uh, is fruitful and, and probably in turn produces other fruit as people are connected to the vine. Uh, and, and love each other. The, the, the second part, if you have to follow commands to remain in Jesus, does it mean that salvation by faith alone is not valid? Um, I'm so glad this question's come up, and it keeps coming up. And I think in our minds we think of things in a very binary kind of fashion. So, you know, I'm married to Nicole. got wedding in the mind at the moment, as I said to some congregations on Sunday. My eldest son's getting married this weekend. So let's just go with this for a moment. <laughs> Um, there is a promise that my son will make to his current fiance on Saturday, God willing, and um, the answer that I hope will be, I will. That, of course, is reflected in what they do and how they act toward each other. And you, you just can't get away from that. James chapter 2 in the Bible picks up the same thing, without um, faith must result in action is the basic point. It's so strong. It actually goes so far as to say that faith without action is dead because 
the action or the fulfilling of commands or whatever way you want to think of it, that comes out of a genuine faith. And that's Jesus' concern here, that we have a genuine faith. Um, now, now, there's something great about this question, lots that's great about this question, where I'm not saved because of the action any more than my son will be married to his fiancé to be wife on the weekend. Um, um, any, that's not because of the action. There's an underlying thing, it's the promises. It's the same thing with our, our faith in Christ, being members of the vine. There is a, um, a commitment to Jesus that is then reflected in action. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, another question similar in the touching on, so a lot of it was about the remaining in Jesus. Um, question about how do we remain in Jesus? So Raj, you mentioned that the word remain was said seven times, but yeah, the question is how do we actually remain? Yeah, yeah, great question. And I think we this came up at night church and I love that it came up. Um, it is interesting in this text, the one thing that it seems to focus on uh, so if we look at verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. Verse 3, right before it, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So it connects remaining with the word that has been spoken. And it does so again a little bit later on um, in verse... Oh, where is it? Uh, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So it actually, it, 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 you, it, there's a parallel. Remaining in me, remaining in Jesus' words. So, so I just want to encourage people, how do we do so? And there are many who really need to hear this. Soak yourself in the word of God. Mm. Where I was preaching, I used the diagram of a different kind of five M's. And at the, at the base of that was maturity. Digging deep into the word and prayer. And, and how do we do that? So we, we keep digging deep into the word my encouragement to people is, you know, in those moments, we all have these moments where you just feel like, I'm too tired, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to growth group. Um, they are the very activities that help us remain in Jesus. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast will go up, but this Thursday night coming is a prayer and praise night. Mm. Um, um, and this is why I mentioned the wedding, actually, because I'd love to be there, but I can't go because there's a wedding rehearsal happening. <laughs> so that's where I'm going to be. But it's activities like that that really just help help us stand firm in Christ. Yeah. And I wonder if sometimes we're tempted to read passages in the Bible, in the New Testament, thinking, like, we're such, we're, we have such an individualistic society. Um, and so we just think when it says you, it's meaning you individual. Um, but yet remembering that this, that so often parts of the Bible are written to a community of believers. And so it's a... Yeah, remaining in the word with with other yeah, believers. With others. Thank you, Kelly. We can underestimate the power of working in community, can't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think all through history people have talked about the power of communities. We see it in church life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such an encouragement to be in church with people. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the activity of being there listening, it's the activity of being there together, of doing things together, of singing together talking on the way in on the way. Anyway, sorry, you've said it all. I'm just <laughs> agreeing with you. Uh, so, uh, another question. Um, 
so this touches a little bit on something that came up in the passage as well in terms of uh, being Jesus' friends. So the question is, we're called into the family of God and are called as sons and daughters of God. Uh, there was a question about what is the relational difference with being a friend to Jesus? And so they were touching on where, um, saying we're called friends if we do what Jesus commands. Is this not more fitting with a parental relationship? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I love this question because it's someone's uh, wrestle to try to put different parts of the Bible together and how, how does it all work together. And, and of course, different parts of the Bible are using different images to make slightly different points. And so you pick up on the language of, you know, sonship and, and you know, being children. And, you know, so, for example, Romans 8... Um, by him, by the Spirit, that is, we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we are, if we are children, we are then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share. So, you know, there it's just trying to talk about inheritance. And it's trying to use the image of, you know, parenthood and um, uh, to help us understand that other parts of the Bible use the same sons and daughters kind of language just as the importance of a family relationship. Here in John chapter 15, the point, um, I tried to explain it in terms of there is an intimacy. And so that's why Jesus here uses the term friends. He could have talked about sons and daughters as well, but he talks about friends. I find it a very powerful image when you compare this one with then other language that the Bible uses. But here, be part of a vine, remain in me. And, and you're moving from being servants to being friends. It's, you know, I was joking and talking about King Charles and what it would just be like to be led into his... Maybe that image doesn't work, but but what Jesus is talking about here is just the intimacy of being part of a vine as a way of then setting up the importance of love. His love of us, our love of him, our love of one another. So different images make slightly different points. Um, very powerful. And I feel like the... the the number of images give a real richness of the picture that is built. Yeah. And we don't want to, yeah, just be like, focus on one at the cost of ignoring the rest. Yeah. Um, So next question. Uh, Coming out of... So when you were preaching, Raj, you talked about... um, You said something along the lines of... Sorry if I misquote you... uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, our if our church was known uh, in Sydney, in Australia, even in the world, as being a church that really loves loves each other deeply and sacrificially? The question is: Is there a biblical principle for our church being known in this way? Uh, and then the follow up question to that, or continuing that, was: well, Should we focus more on Jesus' name being known and loving Him and being obedient to Him? And then possibly our church is known as a byproduct of this. Yeah, thank you um, for the person who put that question in. And you know, you might have thoughts on this too, Kelly. My my thoughts several fold. One is Ephesians three ten talks about through God making known His manifold wisdom through the church. It is interesting that it uses the term their church. There is a power in a church community working together. Um, we 
which I think that's what Paul's getting at in Ephesians 3.10. But also, if we just think about our own reading of the Scriptures and we think about the epistles written to different places, um, we could think of that individually. But I think most of the time the Bible talks about it corporately. You know, the church in Ephesus, the church in Corinth, the church in Thessalonica. And, um, um, in fact, Thessalonica is a fascinating one because there Paul talks about their, their love for the saints being made known. Um, in fact, that just occurred to me. So I didn't have that in mind, but there's an example in the Bible where you see the impact of a church community working together for gospel ends. Mm-hmm. And the church is known not to promote itself, but to point mm-hmm. people to the Lord Jesus. Um, now, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to pit that against Jesus' name being made known. It's sort of both and. Um, so, in all ways, and I, I also just think a very tangible way we can pro- proclaim the gospel, you know, does happen for our local church communities. Um, yeah. Do you have thoughts? Well, and I was just thinking, the, the very thing that we're talking about being known for, like if this, if this was to be the case, is being known for sacrificially loving each other. That, I, I think probably what uh, the concern maybe behind the question is, oh, wanting to be known just for the sake of being known, yeah. um, that it's all about us, not Jesus. But actually if what we're known for is sacrificially loving each other because of Jesus... I feel like that takes away that fear. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Very good point. Yeah. Being being made known because of Jesus and in order to promote Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And being made being known for sacrificial other person centeredness. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that helps. Yeah. Uh, so another question. The pathway and the M's seem like more of a structure rather than something to pastor and care for people, can't we just love one another, like verse 17 says, without all this extra stuff? Uh, thank you for this question. Um, I think a reality of... Well, let's just talk about last night. Kelly and the spots you did at different places, different people did spots in different places... Um, I love the way you did it last night. You, you had a challenge, in fact, all across the day for people to have their first conversation with someone they don't know. And last night, you know, you, it was beautiful the way you did it. I loved it. You know, let's cross the great divide because we do have a characteristic where people sit in certain groups. Yeah. And we all knew it. In fact, there was laughter when you said that. Why did we need that encouragement to do it? Yeah. I had three beautiful conversations last night with people that um, that I've, I've never talked with before. They've never talked with me before. Um, we all needed that encouragement. And so having the structure that we have, I think it's even more important in a large church. Just human sociology teaches us that, and I've talked about that. I won't go into that again. Um, but... We, we need intentionality and we need structure. I think we know that. Mm. And so the restructuring to the M's of our church team pastoring, we actually asked the people of St Paul's, you know, 12, 18 months ago now, where are we doing well, where are we not doing so well? And we realised coming out of that that there were things that we just weren't getting to in the just, just go and love everyone. 
and it all happened. It, it, it just was not happening. Um, and so it's early days yet. I really wish people were a fly on the wall in, you know, a, a lot of my meetings because I just hear the work that God is doing as we are trying to work together as a team, not just the pastors, by the way, but loads and loads of teams. Um, and I'm hearing the impact of the gospel that's happening as we're trying to increase our intentionality. And, and what's driving us is, is love. That's why we're doing it. Um, so that we can help more people at more stages on whatever the stage of the pathway they might be up to. Um, um, and so on and so on. So, yeah, we're actually doing this because we want to love better. And I think you mentioned, um, particularly last night, so the challenge was for at all the congregations for people to go and speak to someone they hadn't met yet. Um, as you said, at night church was also the challenge to go and find someone who sits in a different section. I think if this was just happening, we, it, we, we wouldn't have noticed any difference last night. And yet it, it was very noticeable that the noise in the room was much louder so many more people were all standing up, which also made it easier to, 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 for someone to walk up and come into their circle. And so I think if it was just happening, if we didn't need structure, if it would just happen, then we would already have seen yeah. that happening every week. Yeah. And the same was the case in other congregations. Yeah. It looks slightly differently. Um, but, yeah, I, I love where this question's coming from. And at the same time... Um, Having the intentionality meant yesterday we acted differently, and I would say the same is the case in church life in each of the different ends. Yeah. 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 Well, that kind of moves us into some more of the sort of application-y questions out of out of the sermon and out of uh, yesterday. Um, so uh, we've got. Yeah, two, so two particular questions in this area. So firstly, uh, there was we were talking about being sacrificial uh, in, the, in the way we love each other um, and, yeah, serving others. So the question is, how do we navigate self-sacrifice with rest and recovery? Um, and then this question has particularly come from someone wanting to know, as they look at a friend who they see regularly what they've termed as working themselves to the ground um, with the and would reason that that's because they're sacrificing for others but then they see that friend end up feeling burnt out and disappointed how, how do we navigate that space how do we yeah 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 I think this question came out of afternoon church um, Sam was at afternoon church and I thought answered this brilliantly. We, we do need to be a little careful with terminology here because, you know, burnout is a medical condition that is an underlying... Like, it's a longer-term thing. It's not, I'm tired this week. Yeah, or worn out. Or worn out this week. Yeah. So, absolutely, we need to navigate rest and, you know, healthy patterns, sustainable patterns. Um, now, I'm pausing a bit on this question, Kelly, because I feel like this is a very challenging question to answer with such a diverse group of people listening mm. to the answer. Um, and so saying this at church, you know, no matter what you say, people can react against it because of where they are. Yeah. And I just know the reality in our church life is that, you know, there are some people who need to slow down. 
And at the same time, there are other people who need to think more about what does is, what is Jesus mean when he says love each other here and he talks about love emanating from the Father to him to then us and then to each other. And, to, and what does it mean to love sacrificially? And what does it mean to love sacrificially? Yeah. Because sacrifice costs. Sacrifice costs. And, and, and Jesus here, he gives, he gives the example, um, verse 13, John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm. Wow. And Jesus, they just went words to Jesus. That's what he did. Yeah. So, oh, I find that challenging. Yeah. It should be challenging. Yeah. And it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. And we, we live, so for some people, not for everyone, but for some people, um, we need to just look to the, mo- the model of Jesus and what he did. But also, some of us, we do need to realign our priorities. We're, we're delighted that St Paul's we have so many people serving and yet there's also a lot of people at our church who don't serve. Mm. Um, you know, I know there's exceptions, but so this is what I'm saying, it all depends on. And there are other people at this church, I was talking to someone the other day and he was telling me of another job, he's just accepted a church, different role. And I said, hang on, what did you say yes to that for? You need to slow down. Yeah. So there are people like that too. Yeah. So it's very difficult to know how that works itself out um, for for different people, and um, yeah. So you know, one needs to have a, a reality, just a self awareness of where they're up to on the spectrum, and act accordingly. Some people, I think, do need to slow down a bit and have more sustainable patterns. Other people, well, hopefully, businesses start to engaging and putting the form to have a surf chat with one of the ministry teams and work out how they can get on the journey of serving and experiencing the joy of that. And maybe, um, I was just thinking, maybe there's something in the the sacrificing for others, um, because I, I feel like we almost, to the people who have a tender conscience that tend to do way too much and do risk getting really worn out, we want to we want to say... We want to be able to keep sacrificing for others. This is a, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. But the key is we're sacrificing for others. And yeah. so for, for the people that are sitting there thinking, oh, but I don't want to burn out, so I won't do anything, well, then where, where is the sacrificing for others? Where is that actually happening in your life? Yeah, so there's, there's part of a challenge. And, you know, at the same time, of course, burning out in a medical sense is not something yeah. we want to... See anyone end up in, um, yeah. So it's just it's a wrestle, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So a similar a question in a way about balancing. Uh, this one is about how do we balance our effort and time between loving uh, our brothers and sisters at, at church with seeking to love and evangelize non Christians in our in our lives, and should we? prioritise or do one more than the other? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, this is this is where I do think our shift into team pastoring by themselves to just try to bring into view all of those factors. Um, I think I would say on balance, 
Now, this is Raj. This is not the Bible. But last week when we focused on mission, Candy, in this what she did, shared the statistic, but only one person, we're only aware of one person who's come to know Christ this year. I suspect that suggests we need to do more on the evangelism front. Yeah. Um, and I kind of get that too. We're very good. You know, last night, you're right, it was a complete buzz. It was great to meet people in a safe environment. We love it. Um, I suspect we find it harder to get out and engage people. And we had evangelism training on the weekend. I'm told 40 people went. It was a great time. Just people wanting to get on the journey of sharing Jesus. I think we need to do more of that. Yeah. But that's right. It's not the Bible. I don't know that the Bible says spend 30% of your time doing this and 40% of your time doing this. But maybe it's one of those, like, again, something that we sometimes want to create a a kind of dichotomy. It's one or the other, but actually it needs to be both. Yeah. Um, And I think I really liked the slide you showed in your, when, at the services where you preached that had the the picture of the man and it had the the five M's and, and you were saying it's, because it can sometimes feel like, oh, we've got these five M's and there's really distinct categories. And sometimes we can think, oh, it's like a pie chart. I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying, no, it's more like a Venn diagram. Like, there's overlap between them and <laughs> And actually, they should... Have you drawn out that diagram? I'd love to see <laughs> We it. did try to one day. <laughs> yeah, it was messy. Um, but, yeah, that all of all, the five M's should be part of each of our lives as Christians. It's not just this church structure... Um, but that actually, it's it's a it's a good measure for our Christian life. Like, how can I, how like I can think to myself, how am I going in mission? How am I going in maturity? Uh, and think about it that way. And so, yeah, they need to be both, and we need to make time for both. But yep. yeah, even as the membership pastor, I agree with your uh, take that that was a shocking statistic that Candy shared. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a it's to our shame. Yeah. Okay, so just a couple more questions left, and these are a bit more kind of just thinking about St. Paul's, uh, some, yeah, some things there. So, um, so touching again on what we looked at uh, last Sunday, uh, this question is, are growth groups a key part of membership at St. Paul's, or are they peripheral? And then a second part to that question, is it okay to just go to a growth group but actually invest in community and demonstrate care more to people that aren't in my growth group? Thank you. Um, Yeah, a few different parts of this question. So firstly, we would see growth groups as a key part of maturity. Um, That is the place we really want people to dig deep into the Word and pray together. And there's lots of things, as you spend diagram, I'd love to see this for growth groups. I'd love to think all of the different M's are happening in growth groups. But fundamentally and foundationally, we do see them as places for maturity. Um, Now, of course that that happens in the context of a small community of people. And that is valued. I keep hearing stories of people who care for one another in growth groups. That's one of the membership three C's. Yeah. Connect, care, community. Yep. And so, you know, that's a good thing too. 
Um, and um, the second kind of part of a question, I, I think, I, I just want to encourage people, if you're part of a growth group, see that as a place to care for people too. Mm. Now, I totally understand people have limited relational capacities, you know, that, that's a whole other podcast and people know I've done lots of research and work on that in other contexts. But I, I just love the idea, for example, of every year or two or three perhaps switching up your growth group, getting to know more people across St Paul's um, um, and diversifying the range of people you have the ability to care for and who in turn can care for you. So I, I just... You're the membership pastor. Kelly, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think we don't want to... Like, growth groups are definitely key maturity uh, thing at church. Um, but we don't want to separate out care and community because how can you be opening the Bible with people and not caring about them? How yeah. can you be praying with people and not caring about the, the prayer points? Like, you don't just want to be like, okay, tick, I've prayed for you and go and do well in that thing that's causing you a lot of grief that you've just shared with me like I think that's a natural thing that as we open the Bible with people as we read the Bible together we will be growing in a in in relationship with each other and and that brings with it community and care Um, but that's not the only place where that happens and in the in the membership space we're trying to think across church how how are we building uh, vibrant communities within our congregations. Uh, how can we be supporting growth group leaders? What needs can we be overseeing in some way? Um, yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so final question uh, is so Chinese church. So Danny had his last Sunday. Not the Sunday just gone, the week, bef- the week before. Um, and someone has asked, how should we care and support the Chinese church with their pastor having just left uh, and them being short on resources? What do you think of that, Raj? <laughs> oh, what a beautiful question um, to yeah, be thinking of others who may need care and support. Mm. Um, we actually announced on Sunday at Chinese church that we have appointed someone to come in as our new Chinese pastor. How great is and, that? <laughs> um, we'll be sharing that. We want to, obviously, we wanted to share that at Chinese Church first, and in the next week or two, we'll share that with everyone else. We have a little video from um, the person concerned. I'll leave you in suspense as to who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, so look, that's a great provision from God. Um, I, I think here's an opportunity. Just I have Iranian church in my head at the moment. There's a number of issues in Iran that many wouldn't know of, and we have a one at four o'clock Sunday in Iranian congregation, small. I think they're in just as much need of support. Um, I think our North Rocks congregation is also in need of support. Um, um, there's there's a whole bunch of needs and opportunities, and so I love where this question is coming from. Just to have want to have some awareness of the, the opportunities and the needs outside of what is immediate in a particular congregation. And so if people are listening on and would like to pursue those sorts of things further, um, I I really would encourage you to do so. Um, And reach out to one of the pastors. I said a few weeks back, talk to any of the pastors. 
Uh, the other thing people can do is, you know, go through a surf chat process because we also want to align people's gifts to where the opportunities are. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a range of other ways as well. So. And there's always connect cards. You can always... Connect cards. I better connect. <laughs> you can always... Sorry, I missed that one, Kelly. <laughs> you missed the opportunity to talk about connect cards. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, thanks, Raj. That's been helpful. And, yeah. This... Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, we continue in Vision Month this coming week. Um, I think Sam and Peter are going to be talking about magnification and ministry respectively. It's sort of a split kind of thing depending on congregations this week. And then the following week we, we kind of come back. So, so we're halfway through Vision Month. If I really could encourage people as well with the Vision Month booklets because there's a whole bunch of information there. There's a section at the end, prayer and praise points. And, um, you know, we, we have left that. We could have shortened it to save space, but we wanted to keep it longer to enable people to pray. Um, and, of course, we've also had videos about asking people to um, have that question about pledging and what generosity looks like. So, anyway, so it's middle of Vision Month, um, halfway mark, a few weeks to go, exciting times, and we can do it Thanks, Rosh.